the 87 passengers and the crew of TWA Flight 481 had just finished eating and they'd all settled down for their last leg of their flight from New York to Minneapolis. That sophisticated 727 was on autopilot. Everything seemed to be going smooth. It was perfectly under control. And then all of a sudden, at 39,000 feet over Flint, Michigan, that plane began to shake violently, veered sharply to the right in a downward plunge, and it was barrel rolling around and around. Inside the cabin, fixtures shattered, people screamed. There was chaos. As that huge 727 plummeted 24,000 feet in less than a minute, the pilot was struggling to regain control, and in a desperate effort... He lowered the landing gear, causing the plane to miraculously level off right before it crashed. The pilot was able to make a hard but safe landing at Flint, Michigan, at Detroit, Michigan, rather. And the people who study these things said to recover a plane from a 360-degree roll so out of control... Is a miracle. Now I thought there is a sermon in there. <laughs> How many of us are like that sophisticated flying machine, flying out of control? Maybe some areas of our life are so out of control we've even given up trying to control them. And if we do not get some control, we know we are headed for certain disaster. Now, are you in control? And if so, whose control are you under? Our anchor text that Darren picked for this series is Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 22 through 25. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So let's begin with this. What is self-control? What is it all about? William Backus, in a great book called Finding Freedom of Self-Control, defines self-control like this. The ability to maintain progress toward a goal even when you're not in the mood. Hmm. Don't feel like making the effort. Hmm. Would momentarily enjoy something else. <laughs> or find working toward your goal downright unpleasant. Does that describe it or what? Now, the New Testament word for self-control is related to our word government. I'm sorry about that, but it's related to our word government. Self-control is all about governing ourselves, governing our thoughts, our emotions, our wills, our words, our actions, all in a Christian manner. 
<laughs> I read a great article by David Mathis. <laughs> David Mathis in this article says, self-control can be as seemingly as small as saying no to another Oreo. <laughs> another French fry or a milkshake or another half hour on Netflix or Facebook. Woo. Or it can feel as significant as living out a resounding yes to sobriety and sexual purity. It is at the height of Christian virtue in a fallen world, and its exercise is quite simply one of the most difficult things you can ever learn to do. Whoa. Now, did you notice he said, one of the most difficult things you can learn to do? So can self-control be taught? Can self-control be learned? There was a man who taught an, an Ivy League professor. His name was Dr. Walter Mescal. And he really believed that self-control could be taught. And he developed a lot of experiments in self-control. If you are my age, you will probably remember the marshmallow man. He was the marshmallow man. 50 years ago, nearly 50 years ago, he created a test for five-year-olds and to see how they would respond if they were left alone with a marshmallow for 15 minutes. They were told not to eat the marshmallow. And if they did not eat the marshmallow, they would get two more marshmallows. New York Times reported on that experiment several years later and they said the preschools who waited, waited, didn't eat and didn't eat the marshmallow. They had higher SAT scores than the ones who couldn't wait. They went on to say, in latter years, the kids who didn't eat their marshmallow but waited 15 minutes were thinner, earned more money, more advanced degrees, and this next one I don't understand at all, used less cocaine. That's what they said. <laughs> and coped better with stress than those who couldn't wait to eat their marshmallow. Well, Dr. Mescal died in, in uh, 2018. But, but he wanted to make these parents of children who were self-indulgent and the parents who were nervous about that, he wanted them to make sure that they did not miss his finding. This is what he said later in life. Whether you eat the marshmallow at age five isn't your destiny. Self-control can be taught. Mm. Now, my grandparents were strong believers that self-control and self-discipline could be taught. They gave me chores. Can you imagine? They gave me chores, and they expected me to do them, and there were certain things I had to do every day. They started very young with me. And you know what? They gave me these chores I had to do every day. And I got no money. I got no money. But I got privileges. I got privileges. If I did my chores all week long, then I got to do the fun things with my friends. I got to go to Nave's swimming pool on a Saturday afternoon. They did not know this or they would not have let me gone. <laughs> to rub suntan lotion on the pretty girls.
And if I did my chores, I got to do the fun trip with my youth group. Now, if I did not do my chores, guess what? I did not get to go to Nate's swimming pool and hang out with the pretty girls. I didn't even get to go on the fun trips with my church youth group. My grandparents taught me a life-changing principle that I have tried to live by since then. And their deal was this. You pay now and you play later. Pay now, play later. LDU can either play on the front end, work hard, pay the price, do what you have to do, pay on the front end, then you can play on the other end and really enjoy life. But if you play on the front end, there will always be a time when you pay. And when you play on the front end, one of these days you will wake up and learn, I never did learn self-discipline, and you'll wake up and learn, I'm not the spouse I wanted to be. I'm not the parent I wanted to be. My career isn't what I wanted it to be. And my dreams aren't what I wanted them to be. See, eventually, folks, realize life expects a payment. And if you pay later in life, the payment is going to be far more expensive. Now, you young people here, I know I am an old fossil. But, but listen, learn discipline early in life. Learn to pay now and play later, and it'll make the world a difference in your life. Self-control can be taught. Self-control can be learned. You say, well, okay, then how do I learn it? How do I learn it? I think there are three ways. There are three ways, and they're right here in our text today. Darren couldn't give me a better text. They're right here in the text. It begins with the inward, and then the outward, and then the upward. Self-control begins in the inward, in the mind. Self-control begins in our minds, our emotions, our hearts, our will. Now, you, you know that the purpose of the Bible is to show us how to live a life that honors God. But one of the most neglected areas in that life that honors God is the place that our mind plays, the place that our mind plays in this, in this pursuit of godliness because you see folks the battle the battle of self-control is always won or lost in our mind between our ears it is by the renewal of our minds that our character and our behavior are transformed look what paul says do not be conformed to this age but be transformed how by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. John Stott has a great little book called Your Mind Matters, and he says self-control is primarily mind control. What we sow in our minds, we reap in our actions. Amen. Because you see, folks, there are some things in our mind. There are some issues in our mind that become very dangerous, very dangerous, if we do not control them. I think you would agree with that. Self-control is inward, but self-control is also outward. It's inward, it's mental. Self-control is outward, it is physical, 
and Paul challenges us to discipline our bodies. Look what he says. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. Listen, I discipline my body like an athlete trying to do what it should. Whoa. And the language of self-control has a lot of sexual overtones to it as well. 1 Thessalonians 4, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. Now, that's been pretty, pretty heavy stuff. And you may be thinking, well, you've got my attention. But how do I pull this self-control off, this outward self-control? How do I do that? Well, let me give you some practical practices. And you need to write these down or you'll forget them. They're going to leave them on the screen so we won't be in a hurry. And uh, you, can, you can write them down. Write them down or you'll forget them. Number one, start small. Start small. In his book, Beyond Amazing, David Jeremiah references an article called The Science of Sinning Less. <laughs> the Science of Sinning Less. Isn't that good? By Bradley Wright. Now, Bradley Wright tells in this article how he made big behavioral changes by starting small. Instead, instead of starting a full exercise regimen all at once like we normally do, he started with one small behavior. So small, he said, that it seemed trivial. He did that one small exercise only once a day until it became a habit. And then he added another and another. Every morning he would do one exercise, one regiment. He said this, my goal in doing one repetition was not to get good exercise. My goal was to build the habit of good exercise, one at a time. And then he went on to say, intentional habit formation is central to the New Testament's call of holiness and sanctification. Now, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, start small. Here's another. Get organized. Get organized. Do you make a daily schedule? Do you have a to-do list and stick with it that day or that week? In the 38 years that I was here, I learned very early, if I did not control my time, everything and everybody else would. And it's the same with you. If you do not control your time, everybody will and everything else will. Now, the next one, you're going, it's going to hurt. Be on time. Ouch. Ouch. If you are to be somewhere at a certain time, be on time. Now, <laughs> I would rather be two hours early than two minutes late. It has driven my family crazy. It really has. But being on time, folks, acknowledges that you value other people. It acknowledges that you value their time. They're not having to stand around and wait on you. Keep your word. Keep your word. Last summer, I was having trouble with my foot, and I didn't get, uh, I, I wasn't out and about a lot, so I had more time to read. I read three different biographies 
on the life of George Washington. Didn't know a lot about George Washington. Man, if you've never anything about George Washington, you need to. Man, you'll learn great life lessons from that man. He not only was great because he was the first president, he was a great president, probably next to Abraham Lincoln. But he said this in one of his books, undertake not what you cannot perform. If you can't do it, say you can't. But be careful to keep your promises. If you say you're going to do something, do it when you said and how you're going to said. It's that simple. Finish what you start. Another practice. Finish what you start. Look around at your life. If it's like my life, it is so cluttered with unfinished stuff, right? Here's another one. Do the most difficult task first. We do the opposite. We do the easy one. And then what do we do? We spend all of our energy and all of our time on the easy one. And then we get to the difficult one, and we don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. No, 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 no. Do the most difficult first. Here's another one I think that you can put in practice really easy. Accept responsibility. Volunteer for an organization like Go Pantry or Master's Provision or line up for a ministry here at First Church. You see, when you get organized, when you get your time organized, and you get your life organized, then you'll have time over here to volunteer. And then let's look at the text again. Practice self-control. Woo! Practice self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now remember, self-control is all about governing ourselves. Governing our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, our wills, our words in a Christian manner. Control is the ability to control our impulses. You see, when we practice self-denial, it says to our body, you're not in charge. You're not in charge. Now, settle down in your seats. The next one I almost left out. Because if I do thought, if I deal with this, I will be a hypocrite for saying it. But it, it's, I had to say it, and I'm saying it for myself as well as for you. From the pulpit, this is not whatever this is, but to the back. <laughs> it was a pulpit in my day. I, it looks a lot like a music stand. <clears throat> From this thing all the way to the back, it applies to all of us. Hang on. Discipline your social media time. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Now, I'm talking to myself as well. I am talking. My my grandchildren signed me up for Facebook. I have taken them out of my will. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and texting and YouTube, whatever form of social media you use, limit it. Now, I I said it would hurt. (laughs) I said this Thursday night, and the guy said, amen. (laughs) I would bet the life of my firstborn (laughs) that some of you are online right now. This is too convicting. Let's go to something else. (laughs) And the next one's not any better either. (laughs) Control your temper. 
Are you quick-tempered? Do you live several days in anger? If you do, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for a lot of trouble. Look what Proverbs 29 says. A hot-tempered person starts fights and gets into all kinds of sins. Does anybody want to stand and give a testimony? So many of us hide behind the excuse, well, I just can't control my temper. That's just the way I am. I just have to get it off my chest. I just can't control my temper. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Look what the Bible says. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool, a fool gives vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Folks, anger is a choice. Because there are a lot of situations where we wisely control our temper. There are. Let's just say you're at home one evening. And you and your spouse are having a heated discussion. The phone rings. You don't say, hello, what do you want? We're having a fight here. No, 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 no. You say, oh, hello, Fred. No, you're not interrupting anything. We're just having a quiet evening at home. Yeah, yeah, I plan on being there. Yeah, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. That's how you do it. You wisely control your anger. Let's say you and your worker are having a hot argument, and the boss walks in. Man, you stifle it just like that, don't you? <laughs> Do you and your family have fusses on the way to church? Don't look pious at me. <laughs> Don't put on that holy look. You're having a fuss with your family at church. You pull in the driveway. You get out of your car, and you begin to see people you know, and you control your anger. And it's amazing to me how quickly we can put on, I'm praying for you face. And God bless you, brother. Have a blessed day. Sure, you can control your anger. We just have to admit that we won't. We won't. Well, these are some practical suggestions, and uh, you can write your own list. Let's do a little review. You've been good. Let's do a little review. Self-control is inward. It is mental. It starts between our ears. Self-control is physical. There are actions we can take. But then self-control is upward. It is spiritual. Upward self-control is right here in our text. Spiritual self-control is right here in our text. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, the one we're dealing with today, is self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, here is the upward part of self-control. Here it is. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Upward self-control is spiritual. And it begins 
He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It begins with crucifying the flesh. Wow, what are you talking about? What is he talking about? Now, this is not easy to explain. <laughs> and I've labored over how best to explain it because this is one of the most misunderstood verses in Scripture. Crucifying the flesh here is something we do. It's something we do to ourselves. Oh, but doesn't the Bible say when you become a Christian, you are crucified with Christ? Yes. But in this text, crucifying the flesh is something we do. We do the crucifying. Crucifying the flesh is a graphic description of repentance. Turning our back on the old life that we used to live when we be, before we became a Christian. It is rejecting that old life and it is a radical, decisive decision. When we chose Christ as our Savior... We repented. We crucified the wrongs, the old sins. We took our self-centered life with all of its passions and we nailed it to the cross. Our repentance was as decisive as a crucifixion. But oh, what about our old sinful nature? We have to deal with it every day. Don't you get tired of it? Don't you just get tired of dealing with your old carnal nature? Every day we have to deal with it. So what do we do with it? How do we deal with it? When those old carnal natures, desires come back, what do we do? We renew our repentance. Every day we reject the pull of that old sinful nature. John Stott put it this way, the first secret of holiness lies in the degree and the decisiveness of our repentance. We have to daily crucify the desires of our flesh by returning to the cross. In the words of Jesus, take up your cross daily. Now, we can have self-discipline when we daily crucify the desires of of our old sinful nature. Now, that is difficult. Woo. And you're not left to do it on your own. That's the good news. We're not left to do it by ourselves. Look at this text. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, we can crucify our old sinful nature by keeping in step with the Spirit. To keep in step with the Spirit means to be led by the Spirit. Look at, look at what Galatians 5.18 says. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, I found out that that word led there is a beautiful word. It means a, a farmer herding his cattle, or a shepherd leading his sheep, or a police officer taking a prisoner to court or to jail. Or a ship that is being driven by the wind. You see the control lever there? The shepherd's in control of the cattle. The shepherd's in control of the sheep. The officer's in control of the prisoner. And the wind is driving the ship. You see the control there? Scripture tells us to set our minds on things that are 
above. To be controlled. Walk in step with the Spirit. How? The Holy Spirit puts this gentle pressure on us like the shepherd, like the farmer, like the police officer, like the wind. The Holy Spirit puts this gentle pressure upon us and we yield to his direction and to his control and we keep in step with the Spirit. We deliberately walk the path that the Spirit lays out, which is in the Word of God. We crucify our flesh by turning our backs on what we know to be wrong so that we can keep in step with the Spirit by following what we know to be right. We reject the pull of the old life to walk in step with the Spirit. Set your minds on things of the Spirit. Seek the things that are above, he says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Now, the devil's going to come to you, maybe even before we're out of here, to try to lead you back to the old life. Do you ever talk back to the devil? Do you ever talk back to him? Talk back to him. The Bible says if you confront him, he'll leave you alone. Talk back to him. So the next time he comes and he wants to pull you back into some carnal, some carnal act, you just tell him, listen, I belong to Jesus. I have crucified the flesh. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. I have set my mind on the things of the Spirit. I am going to be led by the Spirit. I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit. Now you leave me be. See, folks, being led by the Spirit, the key to self-control is the spiritual. It's the upward. Keeping in step with the Spirit is the only way to control the inward, the mental. Keeping in step with the Spirit is the only way to control the outward, the physical. Keeping in step with the Spirit controls physical, mental, and spiritual. So when we give our minds and our bodies over to the control of the Spirit, then self-control becomes possible. All right, let's do a little review. Self-control is inward, mental, mental. Self-control is outward, physical. There are certain actions that we need to control. Self-control is upward. It is spiritual, being led by the Spirit, letting the Spirit lead us and guide us. Now, does your lack of self-control feel like that Boeing 727 just speeding out of control? And there are areas of your life that are so out of control you've just given up on them. And you know, if you do not let God take control, then you are headed for disaster. You're going to crash and burn. Now, if you like country music, <laughs> you will remember Carrie Underwood's classic, Jesus Take the Wheel. We made fun of it when it came out. Jesus take the wheel. We made fun of it. But it became a hit. It came out in 2005. And it's still played on country stations. Now I want to tell you. There's a sermon in that song. 
there really is a good sermon. Because the song tells a story about a young mother who's traveling with her infant daughter in the back seat in, a, in her little chair. And she's going to her parents' house on Christmas Eve, and she's late getting there. She is distracted by all the problems in her life, distracted by all the bad decisions that she had been battling with over the past year. She is speeding, traveling too fast, and she hits black ice and begins to spin out of control. And with her spinning out of control and her young baby in the back, this distraught mother just throws up her hands as Carrie Underwood launches into the refrain, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance. Save me from this road I'm on. Jesus, take the wheel. Amen. Pray with me. Are there areas in your life that are spinning out of control? As I said, are there areas that you've just given up on? I just, they're totally out of control. Well, the good news is that Jesus wants to help you. He wants to help you by giving you help to, to control those areas. And he will help you outwardly to control those areas. He will help you inwardly control those areas. If you will let him have the inward upward control if your life is spinning out of control or areas out of control this morning why don't you just pray this little simple prayer that that young mother prayed Jesus take the wheel take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own I'm letting go so give me one more chance save me from this road I'm on oh Jesus Take the wheel. And all God's people said, Amen.